Amen. What a story. Wow. Um, I have seen that video multiple times now, and it gets me every time. There really is nothing better than watching a mother and daughter commit their lives to Jesus. Mm -hmm. I'll never get over Kristen's story. And um, I told y'all to bring tissues. <laughs> you saw that on social media. We said bring tissues because it's going to be good. Um, but happy Mother's Day, everybody. We love you so much. We value moms here. Um, we know that so many moms um, are, are going through all different seasons of life. We want to honor you today, no matter what season of life that you are in. To those of you who maybe have lost your mom, we love you. You're welcome here. We hope that we can wrap our arms around you and care for you during this season. For those moms who have lost a child or mm. your child is so far from the Lord and you're wondering, Lord, what is going on? I just want you to know that God loves you so much. He sees you in your brokenness. And what I have seen him do over and over again is that he binds up the brokenhearted. And I love that about Jesus. I love that about our Father. So I know today brings about a lot of emotions, but I hope today that you will be encouraged, that you will be loved on. We have a special gift for all the moms in the house today. It is scripture cards that you can put in the little block that is provided. So that way you can put them around your house. Mm. Something that God has shown me over and over again is that I have to hide his word in my heart in order to parent my children. And when I am not hiding God's word in my heart, I am not a very good parent. <laughs> Nothing so, to do with your husband though. Just, just children. Just children. Yeah, yeah well. Yeah, just children. I need a whole other set of scripture cards. <laughs> Amen. Just FYI, I am married to him. Yes, this is my wife, yes. So I'm not just some random girl up here getting close. Um, but anyways, so make sure that you stop out in the lobby today and take a photo um, with your mom, with your friends, with your kids. I don't know if you've seen it, it's real cute. And so you're gonna want to be out there in the lobby and taking a photo. Um, also, I don't know if you caught it, but Kristen trusted in Jesus. It's something that I really love, and that is WOCO. And that is coming up October 1st. And so we want every woman in Cherokee County from ninth grade to 90 to be at WOCO October 1st. If you have not gotten your ticket, yeah. get your ticket today. It is a great Mother's Day gift. That's right, guys, so you can buy it for her. You can buy it for her, you can buy it for yourself. Cause <laughs> I'm just gonna be real honest. I'm gonna be buying some stuff for myself today for Mother's Day. Oh, you are? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Just be prepared. Okay, sure. One little thing about Jason is if there is ever a credit card charge, the first thing in the morning it's, hey, did you shop here? Hey, did you go? So tomorrow morning when you wake up, All right, I've seen enough. just know, okay. you don't even have to come ask me. Okay. Yes. I did purchase things. I'm just looking out for fraud. Yeah. Just looking out for fraud. That's it. Yeah. I ain't the fraud. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, get your tickets. Moms, we love you. I want to pray over us before we get into this incredible message. I've already heard it. It's awesome. You're not gonna want to like snooze during this message. I know we're all tired because we're raising children, um, but this is a message that you, that you want to hear. So let, let's pray before we get started. And um, then don't forget to get your gift out in the lobby. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. Um, there is no way, there is no way that we could raise our children without you. And when we do, that is when we are so weary and so exhausted and so short with our children. And maybe I'm just speaking from experience, but Lord, I know that I have to have you. 
I know that I have to have you in order to raise children who love you. So God, I just pray for all of us, Lord, that we would look up to you, that no matter what season that we're in, no matter how weary or tired that we are, no matter how brokenhearted that we are, Lord, that we would look to you. You are the author and perfecter of our faith, and you desire for us to have all of our affections pointed towards you, Lord. So today, I pray that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us to continue to fight this good fight of motherhood. You have called us to this season. You see us, you know us. Women are part of your plan. Motherhood is part of your plan. And I thank you, Lord, for that. God, I wanna honor you with my life. Not so the world can see. But I want to honor you with my life so that my children mm. will look back and say, my mom loved Jesus. I'm never going to be the best cook. I'm never going to be the greatest baker. Sometimes my house is going to be a wreck. But Lord, I want my kids to remember that their mom passionately pursued Jesus with every ounce of her being. And I pray that, Lord, for every woman in this room, that this church would be made up of women who say, you know what, we're seeking you above all else. Everything else can fade away. But you, oh Lord, you deserve it all. We love you and we praise you. We pray. Amen. Amen. Here, wait, wait. Here is your Mother's Day gift. Thank you. So, Thank and you. let's give it up for her. Isn't she awesome? I love you. Thank, thank you for being a great mom mm -hmm. and for setting an example, a godly example for all the women in our church and our daughter. You're so, welcome. love you for that. Thank you. Love you. Hey, yes. Do good. All right. <laughs> yes, mom. All right. What a great day. And uh, I am looking forward to this message on this topic, although I uh, always feel a little bit inadequate about speaking on Mother's Day because I'm not a mother. Um, but I, I feel like the Bible, regardless, has something to say. And, and it's really cool how we're teaching through the gospel according to John and the story that we're going to see today is the faith of a woman and how that faith of this woman named Mary sets an example for all of us, not just for moms, although I'll try to uniquely apply it to that, but for all of us. And so if you have a Bible, you can open it up to John chapter 12, John chapter 12. If you haven't been here, we've been teaching through the gospel according to John and uh, unsurprisingly, we just got through with chapter 11 because that comes right before chapter 12. And in chapter 11 was one of Jesus's most famous miracles. I would say second only to him raising from the dead. It was him raising Lazarus from the dead, which was a precursor showing that he has the power of resurrection and life within him because he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And so this story is going to come right after that, which you're going to see because it's going to uh, be a reflection of what Jesus did in John chapter 11. So let's go for the first couple verses here, and then we'll stop and chat about it. John chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, it says this, six days before the Passover, where Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Which is an incredible line. We'll talk about that. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him, Jesus, at table. Verse 3, Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. I want to talk to you about Mary's faith today and Mary's perfume. This story is an integral story in the life of Jesus. One, because in John chapter 12, it tells us that this is six days before Passover. 
And in fact, John chapter 12 is the last kind of private moments Jesus will have. It's kind of this beginning part before he moves into what's called the Passion Week. And next week we'll see when he had the triumphal entry. And this was the week before what we celebrate as Easter. So that whole Passion Week process. And so now there's a marked turn that's going to take place in the story because Jesus is here for a specific reason. If you were here doing John chapter 11, we talked about how after he rose Lazarus from the dead, there was a lot of uh, heat that was coming on him. There was a lot of fanfare because obviously it's not every day somebody raises a dude from the dead. And so all these people are starting to believe in Jesus and come to Jesus. His ministry is exploding. And so he does the exact opposite from what most of us would do. He runs from it. He moves off into a different area called Ephraim to kind of let things die down a little bit because it wasn't his time. But now that he's back in Bethany, just outside of Jerusalem, it's signifying it is his time. And this is a moment where the gospel is starting to shift to say from now until the end, we are going to be seeing and focusing on the sacrificial act of Jesus's death for us. And it's in that moment, kind of that milieu of what's happening at that time, that Mary does this hugely significant act of literally anointing Jesus. And we'll talk about the significance of that in just a second. But he, she anoints Jesus in this moment when they're having this dinner. Now, I just want you to visualize this. And, and I brought this little stool out here with me because I want us to kind of get this picture they're sitting here at the table, and now Jesus is back, and Mary and Martha decide, you know what, he kind of did something awesome for us. He brought our brother back from the dead, which some sisters, you may not have wanted that to happen. I don't know, but they did. And so here's Lazarus, and the craziest line in this story is he comes to this place, and we don't know if it's at their house or somebody else's house. Commentaries are different. They think maybe it's their parents' house. We don't know for sure. All we know is that they're at a house. They're having a dinner. Martha's serving. And Lazarus, it says, is this, is reclining with Jesus at the table. So I just want you to picture this. We don't know the time, but let's just say a couple weeks prior to that, Lazarus is reclining in the tomb. Now he's reclining at the table. A couple weeks ago, Lazarus was dead. Now homeboy's having dinner. A couple weeks ago, he had kicked a bucket. Now he's kicking it with Jesus. Do you see what I'm saying here? Just imagine this story. I mean, just imagine Lazarus in this story. He's here and he's like, man, this must be nice. You know, like this is, this is not must be, this is nice. It was a few weeks ago, I was dead. Now I'm reclining here at the table. I mean, imagine what he's thinking. Uh, just a picture this moment. You, you got to imagine, you know, we have all kinds of cares in the world. You know how when you sit down at a table and you're trying to, you know, enjoy the moment and then your mind is just anxious and, and it's just running through a thousand things that you got to do or that you didn't do, that you need to do or that you shouldn't have done or whatever it is. But you got to imagine at Lazarus this moment, he's probably pretty, probably pretty calm. He's like, you know what? I mean, I done been through the worst. I died. <laughs> Everything else right now is a bonus. I mean, imagine this, you know, it's like, Hey, dude, what are we going to do about this? He was like, I don't know. I was dead. Now I'm alive. I mean, I mean, the heat's coming on Jesus. I mean, I don't, bro, I'm, I'm alive. I mean, it's a good day because I woke up. And, and the reason why I want to illustrate this is because obviously this happened literally, but I do think there's a metaphorical kind of analogy here that we can think about that so often we get so consumed by everything that has not happened or that needs to happen and we don't focus on the thing that did happen. And what was that thing that did happen? It's that we were dead and Christ made us alive. And I gotta wonder if so many of us can't relax at the table is because we've forgotten what Jesus did for us. 
I got to wonder, like Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you what? You could just insert this. I will give you the ability to recline. Think about it. You're like, bro, I got a lot to do. I don't know. And, and I, you know, I lead a family, I lead our church, and there's all kinds of things that, and I'm not an overly anxious person by nature, but when you start leading some stuff and you got people, you know, respond, my son's going off to college, you know, my daughter's going to become a teenager, leading this church, we're trying to, you know, trying to get my house settled and people, you know what, but I was dead and now I'm alive. I think I can relax in that. So, so don't miss this moment. Here's Lazarus. Who was dead? Who is now reclining at the table? And then it says this, that Mary, this is Jesus, or or verse one and two said, Lazarus was reclining at the table. Martha's serving, which is typical for her. She serves. And then it says, Mary, therefore. Therefore, now I'll tell you this often, whenever you see the word therefore, you should ask yourself the question, what is it? You guys are so smart. Thank you for listening. It makes me feel good. All right. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment. Later it tells us perfume. So just it's it's something very expensive and very precious that smells good. And we don't know for sure because the context just doesn't tell us that how she got this. Uh, A lot of commentators believe it's a family heirloom that was passed down. Um, It could have been something that she saved up and worked for. We don't know. But what we do know is later in the story, you're going to see in just a second, we are told that it could be sold for 300 denarii. Now, you need to understand a denarii at that day was a day's worth of wages. So this ointment, this perfume is worth 300 days wages. That would have been a year's Salary because they didn't work on Sabbath and other holidays. And so you factor that in. This is worth a year's salary. And to just bring this into modern day for an example, kind of a thought experiment, what we need to understand, we're talking about a year's salary. Let's just do some basic math. They worked 12-hour days, and if you just take the basic income of our day and you just multiply it for 300 days, you would get roughly, my simple math, $54,000. This is some expensive perfume, y'all. And you saw my beautiful wife up here and she talked about what she was gonna buy and that's great. But if I see a charge tomorrow for $54,000, we having a talk, y'all. Because that better be some fraud. Right? We set a limit early in our marriage back when we didn't used to make as much. We couldn't spend more than 50 bucks without talking to each other. Somewhere along the line, that that limit artificially increased without my okay. I don't know how it happened. (laughs) But it ain't no 50,000. And here's what I want us to see. Lazarus is reclining at the table. And and it says, therefore. So it sparks something in Mary's heart that she's thinking, you know what? I'm looking at my brother who's reclining He was in the tomb, now he's at the table, he was dead, now he's eating dinner, he did kick the bucket, now he's kicking it with Jesus. The gift that Jesus gave me of life is worth far more to me than this $54,000 bottle of perfume. And Mary does what all of us would call as something extravagant. So again, picture this. This is now a different part of the table, all right? We got Lazarus kicking. Here's Jesus. He's reclining. And then Mary, seeing Lazarus, seeing Jesus, comes over. I'm not going to pour myself with perfume, all right? But anoints him. And John says feet. Matthew says head. Most commentators believe it was his whole body. So there's not a discrepancy per se in the accounts. It's just referencing different parts of it. And it's, the point is not, was it his head or his feet? The point is, why is she doing this? And so let's just picture she anoints his head 
which doesn't mean she just like comes and throws it on him, you know, but she puts it on him almost like in a ceremonial way. And if that were not enough, it says, you know, she does anoint his feet and you just imagine she's sitting right here and then she wipes his feet with her hair. Now, again, I told you I'm not a mother. I'm definitely not a woman. But I've had the privilege of having a mother who was amazing. I have a wife. I have a sister. I have a daughter. All my exes live in Texas. <laughs> That's true. So I've been around amazing women. And one thing I know is hair is very important. We spend a lot of quan on hair products. And that's fine because I want my wife and my daughter to have beautiful hair. The Bible speaks of it like it's a glory. So that's not wrong or bad. In fact, I just want to say something here. A good reference verse for this is First uh, Timothy chapter 2. It's not wrong or bad for a woman to have beautiful hair. But the, the point that Paul makes in First Timothy chapter 2 is, listen, ladies, don't be so consumed by good looks. Don't, don't focus your life on good looks. In fact, Paul says, but adorn yourself with which is proper for godly women, which is good works. So here we have an example for all that says, here's Mary who takes what would have been a signature sign of her good looks and she uses her hair for a good work. She uses something that she's been gifted with to bless someone else. And here's the greater point that I want us to see. When we understand who this is that, Jesus, that Mary is doing this to, then the sacrifice doesn't seem extravagant. It seems reasonable. It seems as though it's the only one that will work. In fact, I have a quote here on the screen by one of my favorite preachers and pastors of all time, John Piper. He said this about this text. He says, it is a beautiful thing when the worth of Jesus and the love of his followers match, when the value of his perfections and the intensity of our affections correspond. See, the, the main point of this story, as you're going to see in the second half in just a second, is Mary responds in a way that makes sense to who Jesus is, but Judas doesn't. Judas doesn't respond accordingly. In fact, Judas's response contradicts the infinite value of Jesus, but Mary's response corresponds to it. Mary's response matches the infinite value and worth of Jesus. And so here's a point I want to make. In fact, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. It's the main point of this message. When we see the infinite value of Jesus, then all our values change. When we see the infinite value of Jesus, then all our values change. And this is the example that Mary set for us. And this is a story, think about this. This is a story that has now lived on for 2,000 years because it is what, what Romans 12 would call our acceptable act of worship. Paul says in Romans 12, in view of God's mercies, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, which is your true and acceptable worship. Because here's what we need to understand. If you have in view his mercy, then the motive to exchange something that is of value in this life, $54,000 worth, for his value is the only one that makes sense in view of his mercy. But if you don't have in view of his mercy, then this sacrifice seems obscure. Like, why in the world? What in? $54,000? 
you're going to take this and waste it on Jesus? In fact, that's what Judas says. Look at this. Go to verse 4. But Judas, dadgum conjunctions get you every time. But Judas, wah, wah. Moms, this is that moment when everybody in your family is having a good time but one kid. You know what I'm saying? You're like, could this moment get any better? Let's put this on the gram. This is, my heart is full. This is a, this is a moment. And then the kid is like, I'm bored. <laughs> oh boy. Right? This is that moment. It's beautiful. It's awesome. You got a dead guy who's alive, who's reclining. You got Jesus being anointed. Such a beautiful act. But Judas, look at what his boy says. One of his disciples, he was about to betray him. John's writing this post, obviously, says this. Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This is where I get the 300 denarii. This is a year's wages. And this is a common refrain from people outside the church looking into the church and saying, why'd you guys build this building? Why do you have that? Why do you, why do you just sell it all and give to the poor? Which, a little caveat here, I used to answer those questions like in a reasonable way. We gotta understand, you know, da, da, da. now you know what I say back to them? Why haven't you sold everything and given it to the poor? Right? Heard some groans on that one. Yeah. That's when you're like, oh, that's good. I am writing that one down, Pastor. Thank you for that, Jim. Yeah. Because I have found the loudest critics are the ones who sit in the cheapest seats. The ones who criticize what everyone else should be doing, but they ain't doing it themselves. It's like over the last few weeks, you know, one of the richest men in the world, Elon Musk, is buying Twitter. And I'm not making a statement about whether that's good or bad. But one of the common responses to that is he's buying it for $40 billion. He could have given that to solve world hunger. And everybody's railing against him. Why would you do that? Which, again, I would lovingly say back to them, why haven't you done it? See, we live in this culture where it's now commonplace to mock the sacrifices of everyone else as a way to deflect what we ourselves are not doing. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Right? And look at what else he says. He said this, or John, this is what John says about him. He said this not because he cared about the poor, see, but because he was a thief. Tell us how you really feel, John. Remember, this is John writing this several years after, and so he's, he's writing down what he saw happen, but now he's mad because of what Judas did. He says, in having charge of the money bag, he used, it, uh, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Oh, now we see. That's why Judas is barking. Not because what Mary did was a waste, but because he was cut out of it. And, and this is a principle I want us to see. These two responses here. See, Mary had something very valuable. A year's worth of wages. And I, and I say $54,000, that's just like the average wages. I'm sure most of you, your wages are more than that. So think about a year's worth of wages for you. That might be $100,000. That might be $200,000. I don't know what it is. It might be less, but whatever it is, here's what I know. Whatever you make, a year's worth of money is a lot to depart with in a moment. But not when you understand value. See, if I told you, hey, I need you to come up with a year's worth of wages in 48 hours, You'd be like, uh, I'm going to need a moment. I go talk to my I, retirement. I got to take this. I got to sell something. I got to get blood, right? I got to do some stuff. 
You're like, that ain't possible. But then if I said this, I need a year's worth of wages in 48 hours or your child will die. Now everything changes, right? Because you're like, I'll do whatever it takes. I won't just sell blood. I'll give a kidney. I'll do whatever. I'll sell cars. I'll sell my baseball card collection. You know, that thing that I've been wasting all my time on and not being as good of a dad as I should have been because I got this little side thing. We'll get to that on Father's Day. <laughs> I'll, sell, I'll sell whatever. Because the value of the person in front of me is worth infinitely more than the thing beside me. See, Mary's response here is the only one that makes sense when you understand his value. And this is what's the most amazing part about her faith. Not only does it make sense, but she uses her gift to make Jesus and everyone else smell good. When she could have used it to make herself smell good and help herself with it, and she walks into the room and everybody's like, dang, Mary, you smell good, right? She could have spent some time primping in front of the mirror, getting her hair all done, getting, you know, like, this is what Paul says in 1 Timothy 2, don't worry so much about braid and goals and pearls, but, but worry about good works. And so she could have spent all this time focusing on good looks and, and, and blessing herself and I'm not saying that she wasn't value and she didn't have dignity and worth. And I'm not saying that that is inherently bad. All I'm saying is she cared more about blessing others than blessing herself. And is that not the essence of motherhood? The gifts that God has given women to be a blessing to those around them. And see, that is the opposite of what Judas did. Judas is saying, well, I would want to have that to bless myself. We could have sold that and I could have skimmed off the top. You know, Jesus talked about tithing, but I just got confused. It wasn't, Jesus, it wasn't tithing to Jesus, it was tithing to Judas, right? And here's what's crazy, if you know the story about Judas, He's going to sell Jesus out in just a few days for 30 pieces of silver. The ironic thing about that is a piece of silver was also a day's wages. So he's going to sell Jesus out for 30 days wages. And yet Mary is willing to give up 300 days wages for Jesus. She just lavished $54,000 worth of perfume on Jesus, and Judas is going to take 10% of that, $5,400 for himself. Isn't that odd? And speaking of 10%, we do this all the time. We fail to see the infinite value and worth of Jesus. And when we fail to see that, we fail to revalue things in our life. And there's another point I want to make here. Look at verse seven and eight. Jesus said, leave her alone. I love Jesus. Leave her alone. Hush, boy. So that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. Now, don't hear Jesus knocking or dogging the poor here. That's not the point. Because in plenty of other places, he talks about and demonstrates his love and concern for the poor. But what he's getting at here at this moment is a love for the poor comes out of a right love of Jesus. Because you can't get the order wrong. And what's interesting is what Jesus says here. He says, leave her alone. And he says this very emphatically. Leave her alone. I can imagine this. I have said this many times as a father to my children. Leave your mama alone. Right? Lindsay and I talk about this all the time. She's like, I don't know what it is, but whenever the kids need something, they say, mama. 
Mama, 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 mama. And a lot of times they say dad, dad first, but then for the rest of their life, they're saying mama. Right? And, and then the dad's got to step in at times and like, boy, leave her alone. So that, that's, the, that's the weight with which Jesus is talking about here. But what's interesting is what he says next. He says, leave her alone so that she can keep it for the day of my burial. So you have to ask yourself the question, what's the it? Some commentators believe that the it is the actual perfume. So she can keep it. But we know in the story, the perfume's already been poured out, right? We already know. And the other gospels tell us that she literally broke the top off because it would have been kept in like a flask kind of looking thing that was sealed up. So to open it up, you have to break the top of it. So Jesus, I don't think here is referring to the ointment itself, to the perfume itself or to the bottle. She can keep the bottle. What's, what good is that going to do for her? It's already on Jesus. What, what I think Jesus is getting at here is Judas, leave her alone. Let her have this moment right now. Let her have this moment with me. Let her, as, as Luke said about Mary, the other Mary, Jesus's mother, it, Luke says, and Mary treasured these things up in her heart. Well, how did Luke know that? He asked Mary, right? Duh. Luke doesn't know what she treasured up in her heart. Mary knows and Mary told Luke, well, this is a different Mary, and I got to imagine this is the same kind of moment. Jesus is saying to Judas, boy, you're ruining a moment right now. You're missing the greater moment right now. Because what you don't know, and I don't think Mary knew, I don't think anyone knew that this was six days until Jesus' death. I don't think they knew that. We can look back on it now and we know that Mary was anointing Jesus for his burial. He references this. This is for my burial. But Mary didn't do it knowing that that's what it was for. Mary did it, watch this. Mary did it because after Jesus had raised her brother from the dead, she realized there's nothing more valuable than Jesus. And so it reordered her values. It's the only thing that made sense. She took probably the most expensive thing that she had and lavished it on Jesus. But what she didn't know that when she lavished it on Jesus, it was gonna be used by God for something greater. And here's what I want us to see. The investment in the kingdom of God is always greater than you can see on the surface. It's always greater because God can use it in ways that will blow our minds when we're in heaven and he tells us. But the it that I think this is, is Jesus saying to Judas, quit ruining this moment because in just a moment, in just a few days, I'm going to die and Mary's going to lose me. And she's going to need to think back, treasure in her heart this moment that she had me. She had this moment with me. She anointed me for my burial. She blessed me. And she's going to need the joy that she feels in this moment, in the moment that she has no joy. See, these are the powers of moments. This is why gathering together with the people of God weekly is important. This is why coming to WOCO is important. Because God meets us in those moments. He meets us in these moments when we have a moment with Jesus, when Jesus blesses us, and then we bless him back, and we have this relational connection that happens. Because there are going to be moments, how many of you know, when you don't feel that? There are going to be moments when you don't feel joy. There's going to be moments when you don't have this, this heart connection in such a way where you're like, oh, I just, I mean, I just wish I could fill up my heart with more Jesus. And then there's moments like David where in the Psalms, he's like, where are you? 
If you want to understand emotional healthiness, but read about someone who at times feels psychotic, read the Psalms and David. There's times in the Psalms, David's like, it's so good to be in your house. I love you. And then he's like, I'm in the desert. Where are you? Mamas, you ever felt like that? Parents, you ever felt like that? Humans, you ever felt like that? And this is one of the things, in fact, Lindsay and I were talking about this just the other day. A great gift that you can give moms today is give them a moment. Let them have a moment, right? A moment to just be. Lindsay jokes, and, I, and it's not funny because I do think it, it is somewhat spiritual, but I can't tell you how many times Lindsay has sat down in the morning, I made coffee for her, or she made it, she's got her coffee, she puts her feet up, she brings out her Bible, her Bible study, she got her blanket on, it's all nice and peaceful, she opens that Bible, and then bam, all hell breaks loose. You know what I'm talking about, ladies? The dog comes and jumps on her and spills the coffee, the kids come running down, mama! It's never me, it's always others. And I was thinking about this, you know, the greatest gift we can give moms today is just a moment. A moment to take a nap, to get a pedicure, to whatever. Whatever it is that she likes. Just give her a moment and say, you know what, I got this. And worst case scenario, always got 911. Right? That's what I think Jesus is talking about here. Bro, you're ruining the moment. She's gonna need to remember this moment. And so the big lesson that I want us to see in this is what made this moment powerful is the faith of Mary to exchange something that was very valuable to her for someone who was more valuable. See, that makes sense. That's worship. Worship is when we reorder our values and say, Lord, I want this, but I want you more. And that's the example. And I think moms and women, you have a unique opportunity to set that example for so many of us to say, you know what? It's, it's okay to braid your hair. It's okay to look nice and stuff, but we don't want to can be consumed by good looks. We want to set the example of good works and show the world that we are godly women who have our values right and set the faith example. Think about this. We're talking about a woman who just did something different with her perfume. And yet... Here we are 2,000 years later talking about it because her faith example set an example for all of us. I want to leave you this one last thing, and then we actually have a song that we're going to play here at the end that we want our band at both locations to sing over you. But before we do that, I want to show you this slide on the screen. One of my greatest quotes that I love is by a guy named Jill. Jill Jim Elliott, sorry. And this slide here is a picture out of his journal. And I'm gonna show you the quote in just a second, but I've said this, I think, a couple times, but I'm gone back to school and I'm getting my doctorate, and the school that I'm getting my doctorate from is the same exact school that Jim Elliott went to. And while I was there in class a month ago, they pulled out this journal, and this is his journal. He wrote this. And this is a guy who died as a missionary to Ecuador. And I want to read this to you. You see this entry on October 28th. It says this. One of the great blessings of heaven is the appreciation of heaven on earth. Ephesians truth. And there's a star right there. And here's the quote. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Luke 16.9. When I fall they shall receive you into everlasting habitations. Now listen to this part. Scripture leaves so many stories untold. Think of the calloused heart of the priest who stooped over, squinting in the darkness of the sanctuary, looking for the 30 pieces of silver 
Judas cast out. This jumped out at me because of talking about Judas. Passing to see if he had all 30. Too legal to put the money in the treasury since it was blood money. They wax very philanthropic and buy with it a field to bury strangers in. How cold the heart of man, the feelingness and obdurate. obdurate. That means stubborn. I had to look it up. And the story about Jim Elliott is so amazing because he was trying to reach a people group that didn't speak English, who knew no outsiders. And for several years, they tried to engage with this people group, but the moment that they went to go meet them, him, and I think it was three or four other people, all died. They were killed. His body later was found floating down the river. But that's not the most amazing part about it. If you know anything about the story, Jim was there with his wife, Elizabeth. And 11 months prior to his death, his wife, Elizabeth, had given birth to a little girl named Valerie. And after Jim died, Elizabeth and Valerie were not with him on that mission, but they were in Ecuador. After he died, this is a moment where most moms would take their less than one-year-old baby and move back to safety and security of their family because her husband and the father of her baby just died. But you know what she did? She not only stayed there in Ecuador, she took her baby and moved in with the same people that killed her husband. And over the next two years, almost every leader in that tribe that had killed her husband came to faith in Jesus. And they committed to no longer killing people. And history records they haven't done it since. And this was in the late 50s. See, I love that quote about Jim Elliott, but I think about not Jim on this day, I think about Elizabeth. What mother would take her one-year-old into a savage people? a mother who values Jesus over everything else. And then think about the example that she set. She became an award-winning artist, author, authored many books, one of the greatest called Shadow of the Almighty. It's the story of how Jim died. And then her daughter, Valerie, grew up and married a missionary. Elizabeth died in 2015, but Valerie became a missionary to the Congo and stayed there until, for health reasons, now she's back here in the United States and she's still alive. That's a testimony of a mother who does something that on the surface to us would look ridiculous, but not when you understand the value of Jesus. And that's the faith example that Mary set for us, that Elizabeth Elliot set for us, and that you, today as moms and women can set for us. And so the story is simply be Mary and not Judas. Get your values right. Because if you get your values right and you use your gifts to bless others, then you'll make us all smell good. And we'll be talking about your sacrifice for years to come. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this story of Mary and how she did something that on the surface seems so extravagant. But when we understand why she did it, the therefore of why she did it, it's the only gift that makes sense. And so God, I thank you that this amazing woman set the example for all of us to value Jesus over everything. And God, I thank you for all the amazing godly women throughout history who have done so many sacrificial things to set the example, not only for their children, but oftentimes, sadly, for their husbands and their families. And so God, I pray right now that you would bless all 
the women and the mothers in our gatherings, God, who at times get so exhausted. God, I just pray that you would give them a moment today. Remind them that you're with them and that you love them. And that anything that they give to you, they will gain back forever. As Jim said, he's no fool to give that what he can't keep, to earn that what he can't lose. Mary couldn't kept, keep the perfume, but now she can't lose the moment because she's with you. And so God, I pray for those moments. And then God, I pray for this moment right now for anybody who has not trusted in Jesus like Mary did, who hasn't seen the amazing act of mercy in their life for you to raise them from death to life. I pray right now that you would do that. Nobody looking around or talking here as we close, if you've never trusted in Jesus, that today you have an opportunity to allow God to reorder your values and to see the infinite value and worth of who he is and be saved. So nobody looking around or talking today, if you've never trusted in Jesus, then right now you can. You don't have to come down front, but you can pray. I'm gonna lead you in this prayer and it's just a prayer of confession. You don't have to pray it out loud, but it goes like this. Say, Father, thank you for loving me that you sent your son in my place for my sin. I ask you to save me, bless me, forgive me. Thank you so much for loving me. Again, nobody looking around or talking, but if you just prayed to trust Jesus today, would you just simply lift your hand up so we can see that? We got men and women gonna walk around, put a gift in your hand, and when they do, you can put it down. And then for those of us who have trusted in Jesus, the call of the message from Mary's example is to make sure that we are placing infinite value in Jesus and then reordering everything else around that relationship. Father, I pray that you give us a moment now as we sing, you would bless us so that we can be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.